her dead. You've heard the stories of Harren Hall, Your Grace. It's built in hubris by Harren the Black as a monument to his own greatness. Blood mixed into the mortar. It is said to be a cursed place. That it passes judgment on all who pass beneath its gates. You... You pass judgment. Welcome to the Coffee Clatch Crew House of the Dragons episode review. I'm Jason Pistorino. I'm Christina Lomangino. And today we have a few barbecues. Too much? With episode five and episode six. Episode five, We Light the Way, was written by Charmaine DeGreat, directed by Claire Kilner. IMDb is giving it a nine. Episode six, The Princess and the Queen, written by Sarah Hess and directed by Miguel Sapochnik. IMDb is giving an 8.2. We'll get into that. I can see the split feelings and why, and I think I share them. Yeah, and I bet it was tough for the writers, too. Let's first say, though, the critics said about episode five, holding true to Westerosi rule that no wedding goes according to plan, this episode is a disturbing midpoint for House of the Dragon, punctuated by shocking brutality. For six, they say, while the longest time skip yet diminishes some of this installment's most shocking moments... The commanding introductions of Emma D'Arcy and Olivia Cook make clear this episode will remain compulsively watchable. I agree that episode five was tremendous, shocking. It felt like a season finale. Oh, yes, it did. It's that Game of Thrones tension builder kind of episode. Episode six suffered from this 10-year time jump. I knew this was going to happen. I think the show knew this was going to happen. We had to fast forward so much. There's a lot of character beats that we missed out on. There's people that we were just introduced to that were then taken from us. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of questions as to why things went down the way they did. Here's my overall thoughts on that. When they first started talking about these prequels, I thought they were going to be anthology series. That's how they made it out to be. Each one would be one season covering a different topic of Game of Thrones history. This season would be about the Targaryens. We thought we were going to get the Long Night. We were going to get the tale of Duncan Egg. But then they started to get into this specific one. It was greenlit. It was clear this is George R.R. Martin's baby. This was something that they could sell to HBO. It's about dragons. People will love it. And they had it in their mind they were going to go more than one season. Now, they weren't officially greenlit for the second season until an episode or two in when the viewership numbers came back. But I think they were producing it with that in mind. So if you're thinking about more than one season, why did we need to go so quickly to this point? Why couldn't have episodes one through five been the entirety of the first season? Slow it down a little bit to give us some more of those answers we're looking for and end on this wedding. And then Uh. the princess and the queen is your season two opener. Uh, I see the way you're thinking, but I must disagree because a lot of people, including some of our clatchers, stopped watching because they said it was too slow. So if you slow it down even more... You're slowing down your overall storytelling. You could have still put action in there in certain places. The fact that this war in the Stepstones was so poorly written had nothing to do with pacing. They did a huge time jump there too. Oh, it's been three years we've been warring here. Mm-hmm. So they didn't go beat for beat on this three-year triarchy battle. It's just that what they showed us wasn't super exciting. So that's to blame on how well you're doing the drama because the drama here in the wedding was spectacular. So yeah, you'd have to add in another episode or two that has a little bit more action to it. But 
I don't think the slowness people were complaining about was with character development. So you're thinking more like the crown. No, not really, because again, that feels pretty slow to me. I think the way they've been doing everything here, but more stories that we didn't get to see, more stories about the strong family before you basically show us Harwin in this episode Mm -hmm. and then kill him later on. I know. I feel you. They're not giving us enough time to fall in love with characters before they kill them. So the impact is not as meaningful, and I think that's why it feels less action-packed, even when they take people from you. There's not that emotional attachment the way there was in Game of Thrones when you kill Ned Stark at the end of season one. Oh my goodness. This doesn't have that kind of heft. You have to earn that. And some of what they're doing with the people talking in room stuff is not where the complaints are coming from. People enjoy that Mm -hmm. as a return to form of Game of Thrones. Show us more effing dragons. How long have I been saying that? We still don't really understand if you haven't read the books and know the story, whose dragon is who, what are their personalities like? We're catching them for glimpses at a time. And the dragons should talk. Talking dragons. You know what I mean, though? <laughs> like, you were attached to Danny's three dragons early no, on I and totally all throughout. Now there's points in time where you're going, what dragon is that? Who does that belong to? That is nonsense for a dragon show. That should not be happening. I hear you. And episode six is very unorthodox. It was essentially another pilot. As you said, a lot of things were skipped over in the 10 years. All of a sudden, we have a slew of new characters we have to remember. These kids who aren't very interesting. Kids that I don't care about, Runner. I don't know whose kids are who. Can we at least name them when they're on screen? Some of them are named when they come on. Others are not. Why? Why are you doing that? Also, their names suck because they're very similar to each other. That's Martin's problem, though. (laughs) And it's like, I'm not going to remember that. They did try in the first scene when we met, believe it or not, not all the kids, but most of them in the beginning of episode six with the dragons. They did try by having Allison's kids wear green and Renera's kids wear blue. Which was helpful. Some of them say each other's names, others do not. There's no reason why in the writing they can't just say each other's names to each other. Hey, Jace, don't get that close. Okay, Luke. (laughs) one or two times is good. I need to know who people are. (laughs) And I do agree. It's also helpful that Rhaenyra's kids all have dark hair while Alicent's kids all have that Targaryen silver hair, which by the way, this is just bad luck because Alicent herself has darker hair. hair. So that's just poor genetics. Like Viserys isn't that far off when he tells the story about the horses. You know, this is not to say there aren't things I don't like about episode six. And like I said, I understand this time jump was going to be hard. I think they handled it the best way they could. I'm not super angry with it. Just given now what we see about the length of time they're going to have, I'm wondering why, why they felt it was necessary. Maybe there's so much more in store. There's just that gap in the book. But again, you don't need to follow that directly. You're creating a lot of stuff that's your own here. You know, Mm. couldn't there have been one five year in between? And then another five year instead of a 10 year. If there's that much more in store, I'll give them that. I'm going to have to wait and see what happens the next four episodes. They better really bring it if that's the justification. (laughs) They're going to bring it. Don't worry. Let's slow it down for a second to talk about our titles. We Light the Way is House Hightower's words, their house motto. That has a big significance in the background of everything. The first conversation that Alicent and Otto have when he's leaving, he talks about the tower. They light that tower with green light when it's time for war. His horse had that badge on him. 
which mm-hmm. was the tower with the green fire. And then she ends up wearing green to the wedding. The tower you're talking about is a stone white watchtower. It's a big marker of their seat, High Tower, which is located in Old Town. This is where the maesters study. There's a lot of power and knowledge and other things that come from Old Town. Then episode six, the princess and the queen, is very clear why we're talking about that with Rhaenyra and Alicent. But it derives from the blacks and the greens, a slightly abridged version of the first five Dying of the Dragons chapters in Fire and Blood, which was actually released as a standalone novella in 2013. Well, speaking of books, Georgie announced that he's finishing the Game of Thrones books finally. Nope, just kidding. Uh, yeah, no, okay, instead, even that announcement wouldn't mean anything. We've had that several times. <laughs> instead, he announced he wrote another book. Oh, I could care less, frankly. We're one month away from the publication of The Rise of the Dragon, which dives deep into the history of the Targaryen dynasty. Pre-order your copy here. Uh, exactly. How many more dragon stories do we need, George? We get it. You're obsessed with the Targaryens, okay? <laughs> we have a whole show right now. We don't need more. I need more Long Night. You like the White Walkers. I like the North. I like the Wall. I like the White Walkers. I well, like you're getting that with uh, the Jon chil- Snow. Children of the Forest. I hope so. I really do. Well, I mean, no more White Walkers, but you're going to get snow. Maybe he's up north. Where else would he be? Maybe some giants, some more wolves, Anything going wolves. on up there would be more exciting to me. Ooh, maybe he'll have a dragon as well. One of Danny's? I don't think so. No. <laughs> but I don't need dragons there. That's what I'm saying. I, even the ones you're doing here, I'm not super enthused about. I, the look of some of them is very it's weird. It's a little different, and I can't put my finger on it, but I'm, every time I look at it, I'm like, I, I mean, they're dragons, it's cool, but they look off. They look... Um, like some of their legs are webbed, almost like a bat. Their necks feel different. I have to do a comparison to the original. Yes, like more serpent. Than, exactly. Yeah, the original dragons we're used to seeing. And, you know, maybe some of them would look like that. Sure. I, the changing over time thing, I think we would get smaller. I don't know that we would change form altogether. This is what I mean, though. This show is supposed to be about dragons. We know so little. little unfortunately. Um, we are introduced to two new ones, as well as some characters we mentioned, but that's not till episode six. So we'll cover them when we get there. Let's start out talking about episode five, We Light the Way, because an awful lot here happened, Jason. I mean, our opening scene, we're in the countryside of the Vale, where we meet Lady Rhea for the first time. Here's another character we're going to meet, quickly taken. This one I don't mind, though. It makes sense. She's riding on horseback, hunting deer. When she's stopped on the road by a hooded figure that turns out to be Damon, she wonders if her husband has finally come to consummate their marriage, but she quickly realizes he's there to harm her. I really enjoyed this interaction. One, because we didn't know much about her. We were left to assume that he, that it was this woman that he was forced to marry that he doesn't like, and he just leaves for months at a time, mm-hmm. years at a time, excuse me. But it come to find out, she is more of a hothead slash badass than he is. She doesn't like him. She kicks him around like a little boy. And that's why he leaves. Well, and you would think this would be the type of woman he would like. I think the pure disdain, the idea that she just could never believe anything good about him, it's the sort of tone he took with Viserys when he accused him of sleeping with Rhaenyra. Mm. You've already judged me. There's no sense in trying with you anymore. Because we're going to see how different his relationship is with Lena later on. Oh, yeah. 
So there's clearly been a lot that has gone wrong here. She's a pretty smart woman. She picks up on this fast. He's not there to just chat with her. (laughs) So reaching for her bow as he approaches, her horse gets spooked, rearing up and knocking her off. It's a sequence of events that could seem like an accident, but clearly this is what Damon intended, why he approached the way he did. However, she falls to the ground, the horse falls on top of her, paralyzes her. So she's not dead, but she can't move. And at first, it's sort of like, is Damon just going to leave and walk off? And she almost has to taunt him to come back and finish her, sort of like, well, don't leave me like this. Yeah, he was going to leave. And Mm -hmm. smartly, I would have done the same thing. Finish me off, you know? Well, for him too, that's somebody finds her with enough time for her to say what's happened to her. That's not going to be a good look. It's too bad because I really enjoyed that character. She seemed interesting right away. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, I want to know this person. But no, unfortunately, she is another on that list. (laughs) I'm in such conflict, Chris, because I think something's wrong with me. I think I have problems because Damon time and time again shows me that he is the worst person. He is so bad, but I still love this character. You're not the only one that feels that way. I, I want to see too. more of him. He does a little bit of good. I'm like, see, he's a great guy. He, you know, we could still love him. Well, there is that Jamie Lannister type quality to him. And a big part of this, I think, is due to how Matt Smith is acting it. You constantly get the idea he is misunderstood. He's doing bad things, but just like Jamie, there's another side to this story that we're not always hearing everything. Uh, whereas with somebody like Larry's strong, which we're going to see later, I think he's just pure evil. I don't think there's any redeeming qualities. He has no hesitation taking his father and brother off the board. Oh, yeah. For his own scheming. He's Littlefinger, but worse. Yeah, you would have a great time being Damon's therapist. So, I mean, I wonder, is he a good guy that so many bad things happen to him that he does bad? Or was he always sick in the head and he does bad? He is a Targaryen. But also still wants to be loved, but then hates to be loved. What I'm saying is basically what came first, the egg or the dragon? The Targaryen, because they're all like this. We see Rhaenyra's like this, too. A lot of people are still struggling with her. And in episode six, they do come over to, okay, I'm not empathizing too much with Allison anymore. Kind of upset with her. I kind of feel bad for Rhaenyra, but I've been feeling this way all along Yeah, that I empathize with Rhaenyra. I'm having any trouble while I can see the difficulty Allison has been through really emotionally connecting to her. Mm-hmm. These Targaryens, I find it easier to connect to them. They do bad things. They are human. They are all very similar in that sense of the word. I guess until they go too far, if you get like of a series from Game of Thrones type, he's clearly super bad. But even Danny, they have a lot of gray, these characters, but Mm -hmm. the good parts they do, the passion they bring to it, their big personalities, I think make it easier to like them, to want to root for them. I agree. Well, for most of them. (laughs) <laughs> it feels like as years go by, we're meeting worse and worse Targaryens. Well, that's what I said. There's some, and they do say that, you know, the gods flip a coin. I don't think any of the ones we're seeing here, though, not yet, are all bad to me. But let's go back to, we started to speak about Larys. Uh, the next scene is where we're going to get the real seeds, because uh, I don't think we knew until this point of what he's about. On his way out of the castle, Otto goes to speak to Alicent, who tells him his informant was wrong. She still believes Rhaenyra. He shouldn't have been so relentless in pushing Aegon as the heir. And he agrees with her on some points, but he confronts her with hard truths. Listen to me, daughter. 
The king will die. It may be months or years, but he'll not live to be an old man. And if Ramirez succeeds him, war will follow, do you understand? The realm will not accept her, and to secure her claim, she'll have to put your children to the sword. She'll have no choice. You know it. You're no fool, and yet you choose not to see it. The time is coming, Alicent. Either you prepare Aegon to rule, or you cleave to Rhaenyra and pray for her mercy. Oh, man. Okay. I hate Otto. I hate him because, well, on one sense, you could say he's just speaking the truth. He has to make her wise to this. This is what starts her entire thought process. And makes her a boot. She's not going to trust Rhaenyra. She's going to do whatever it takes to secure her own children, her own future. He's twisting things the way he wants her to see it, the way he's been doing since she was born, it seems like. He brainwashes her. He gaslights her. Is the truth that Rhaenyra would just, without a doubt, have all her children killed to remove that threat from the board? I don't think we know that's the truth. I don't think so, but with the way he speaks and with the way she starts acting, they're making it the truth. Exactly. It's inevitable now. You're giving Rhaenyra no other choice, especially when we finally meet these kids. These kids can... I just wouldn't want to punch him in the face. (laughs) But I did want to say, I hate Otto as a character because we're supposed to hate him. But that scene, acting-wise, was so well done. Oh, yes. This is nothing about Reese Stephans. He's killing it. The way he goes, war. I can't even do it. War will follow. He really gave that word the emphasis gumption. Well, so this is supremely frustrating. We can see exactly what he's doing here with her, but the nail in the coffin is she then goes to the godswood where she's greeted by Laris. Uh, <laughs> snake in the grass. Isn't it obvious, man? So obvious. It's not even subtle here. It resembles the Bible where the snake slithers in and starts to essentially whisper in the ear. He slithers into the screen doesn't get close to her. He's the looking way he at the flowers. Start, right. The flower was so Littlefinger-esque. He admires it. The Malvales that are growing, it's a flower indigenous to Bravos. And I think he's trying to start out more metaphoric, more subtle. He says, an outsider among the natives. By all rights, they shouldn't be thriving here. Nature, such a mystery. It's like, oh, you're such a genius. Wow. Well, but he's trying to... You're likening my life to fucking flowers. He's trying to play it coy, but I think he can tell. She doesn't pick up on it. She is not a player yet. She's still young and naive, and he's really going to have to spell some shit out for her. (laughs) And I I thought that was silly until you go to the next episode 10 years later. She still didn't know what Larry's was going to get up to. Clearly, she did have a lot to learn. So he then says, it's a dark day for the realm because her father was a good man. Wonders if she's in need of an ally. And he's also kind of worried. Hey, by the way, is Rhaenyra ill? Because, you know, I saw the Grand Maester deliver a tea. I hope she's well. I hope nothing's wrong with her. Again, it's just whispering <laughs> doubt into someone's ear. I want to reiterate what we talked about last episode, which was communication. If Alicent and Rhaenyra were getting along, or even if they just tried to, and they saw each other within this time frame. And she was like, can you believe my dad brought me tea? The special tea? Bullshit. I threw it against the wall. You know, like, then even without this would have had no impact. Though, even without that, you have to use your head 
Alicent. Is this Rhaenyra's fault that the king has this tea sent to her? Not at all. Does she even know if she drank it or not? No. Nope. Even if she did, what other choice does she have? What, also, what's what the is big this, deal? What is this telling her that is so awful that she is now for 10 years going to hold on to? Rhaenyra lied to me. There's no mending our relationship. None. So We're enemies across the battle line. I can't understand. We come to the next episode. Kristen is still nursing this bleeding heart from the rejection he took from her that I get it, but it was kind of a naive proposition to think she could just give up everything her life is meant and, to be to run, run away. away with him. Like, yeah, did you really stupid. think that was going to happen? They, the way they're looking at things to me is childish, immature. Yeah. I just, I, I'm not quite getting how that adds up to we can't find a way to mend this. Yeah, and I do want to talk further about that when we get to that episode. But along those lines, Allison, that was definitely on purpose. Well, I'll make Kristen Cole my main guard. Yeah, I don't know how she gets away with this. We'll, like, we'll get there. Let's not jump too far forward, but... Larry's lands his seed, the seed he's planting here. It's yep. going to grow. It's going to cause all sorts Flourish. of problems. <laughs> but let's take a break there because we are aboard a ship headed for Driftmark with Viserys and Rhaenyra. Viserys is seasick, horribly so, <laughs> tended to by Lionel. You realize immediately this is his new hand, even before that's told to us because he's the one there, you know, like holding his sick bucket. But didn't we predict that? We sure did. Who else was it going to be? True. And we like him. That's why I'm so angry. (laughs) Anyhow, they arrive at High Tide, the castle of Driftmark, and Lena is the only one there to greet them, not Corlys. This is a major insult. First of all, the fact that Viserys is coming here, period. Yeah, that's crazy. Is an insult. He's clearly desperate. He is sinking to levels that Otto would have never recommended. Yeah. He would have said, you stay here and Corleys and Rainies can come make their proposal to you. You're the one who's giving them all of this power by making this alliance. You shouldn't step down your power to come there. But I do think in part, the fact that he was willing to do that is what made them amenable to the match. Mm. He's willing to give a little we can give a little, even though we know our son's going to be put in great danger. They're well aware of that. So, okay, we take it. Viserys goes in towards the Hall of Nine to meet with them. As he's walking through, we see this hall of everything Corlys has there. These skulls and wall murals, ships at sea. Even the crab feeder's head. Well, mask. Mm. And his very own driftwood throne. He's sitting upon his own throne. And that place is beautiful. Major insult. I mean, it's Number not as four? big. It's not as big, but I'd, I would confidently say I think it's nicer. He is his own ruler here. That's what he's making very clear. You might be the king, but you are coming into my territory now, and I have and power I'm here. Make you walk all the way up to yeah, my. Yeah, and they don't even know the condition he's in. They're about to find out real quick when Corley's sees. He offers him a chair, and he no, no, I'm Water. fine. But <clears throat> you know, then Rainey's goes over. Oh, it's so good to see you. But you could see like at the sight of touching his hand. Yeah. She's reluctant. You do not look good. <laughs> yeah, he's rotting away. Already. It's, oh. it's about to get a lot worse next episode. But anyway, Corley's tells the series of Rhea, passing Damon's wife, said she stood to inherit Runestone, but, you know, her and Damon had no heir. So pity. Viserys then proposes the marriage between Rhaenyra and Lenor. This is great news, but Corley's is still playing it coy. He says he wants to iron out the details of the succession first. 
And this is where Viserys finally steps in with a little bit of a hard hand. He makes it clear, if Rhaenyra has heirs, they're still heirs, and the titles will pass from her to the children. Therefore, if they ascend to the throne, they will be Targaryens. But what he's willing to offer is they can be Valerians until that time. Now, this is not a bad deal, because only one of them is going to become the heir who will sit the throne. At the time he sits the throne, he'll become a Targaryen, but any other kids that they have will be Valerians for life. So more of them are actually going to keep that name. It's just they won't be the rulers. It sounds like a bone he's tossing, but it's actually pretty big. It's huge. It's a big deal, actually. And, you know, he's right. He still gets to have a Targaryen. A Targaryen is ruling, and his main point you can see it always in his mind is this warning that i got a targaryen must be sitting the throne and ruling when the long night comes yeah so as long as in my head i'm making it that by the time they're ruling they're still targaryens Mm -hmm. i think we're okay uh meanwhile outside rhaenyra talks to laenor they're not privy for all of these negotiations that are happening And I think this is a really great conversation. I think it's going to set the tone for their relationship into the future. And I felt it right away. She's very open and honest with him. What you're saying you wish could be there between her and Alicent, her and Lenor have this right off the bat. You know, she's been forced to this marriage. This was not a choice she had, just like it wasn't a choice for him. And she knows her cousin wouldn't choose this if given the chance. Uh, The agreement won't change their differing appetites. She gives this metaphor of enjoying goose versus duck, very apt. But she proposes performing their duties and then they each dine as they see fit. You know, we have this marriage on paper as a front, a show. We have no choice, but we can live our lives. I'm not going to judge you. I'm not going to try to say we can't have our things on the side. Let's do the best that we possibly can with this. He agrees. You can tell he's still a little reluctant, but later he goes and talks to his boyfriend, Joffrey. And Joffrey tells him, you know, this is a good thing. This is the best we could have hoped for here. For real. And by the way, she's clearly got a paramour. That's (laughs) why she's proposing this to you. Yeah, but that's the problem right there. Leave that alone. Who cares? Exactly. You're getting what you want. Do your thing. Keep it quiet. Who cares? Because he's Don't butt in. nervous. I think this is problem number one. Joffrey realizes she knows who I am. That gives her leverage. We don't know who her guy is. Where Lenor probably would have left it at that, Joffrey needs to make sure they're on a level playing field. And Why? I, he is concerned for Lenor, supposedly, and their relationship. Oh. That's going to cause issues later, for sure. Obviously, you'll find out eventually. And let's take the time to just get situated, how about that, and not do it during the wedding, and stop being so selfish. Well, and finding out is one thing. Okay, so you figured it out at the wedding. You don't need to approach him. No, it's not your place. That's really the problem. You, you don't have to go to Kristen and say anything. Yeah, I wish I knew what he was as far as like family standing. Well, like Rhaenyra didn't go to Joffrey. No. She said what she had to say to Lenor. <laughs> And that's it. It's supposed to be, it's hush. This is the game we're going to play. Right. Which, by the way, sounds great. But obviously, even let's say that didn't happen. After the years pass, people are going to get privy to it. Well, but so we see what happens later. Rhaenyra and Lenor are still okay with this arrangement. Yes, other people are learning. 
I still don't think it would be a problem if they had produced their own children. And I don't know what happened to that part of the arrangement. I thought the deal was we still need to have some legitimate children of our own. Mm -hmm. And they never did. And I'm not, again, this 10-year time hop cheats us of why. Why did that happen? Why didn't they ever produce? Because that might have quieted it. If there's two silver-haired children and then a dark-haired one pops out, well, whatever, you know, we're still fine. I agree. So, yeah, all this is going to be trouble. But what's happening between just the two of them, the cousins seems pretty caring, gentle, honest right now. I like it. I like the way they were able to communicate. And actually, I really love Leonor. Oh, me too. Uh, I loved him as a young kid, and I love him as a, a adult, sexy man. Yeah, the adult actor who's going to take over playing for him in the next episode is John McMillan. And I, too, appreciate his acting. I think they're keeping a, a real consistency for his character. Well, meanwhile, while they're talking, Corley's goes to speak to Rainey's alone. Wonders if the kids are becoming familiar, quote unquote. But she reinforces, like, dude, you know, you know your son's nature. What are you talking about right now? He's in denial. Clearly. Maybe I can change it. <laughs> He's Maybe it's a young. Phase. He'll outgrow it. Silly. Oh, Corlys. Uh, she says, all right, well, listen, you have to see what's going on here because we're placing our son in danger. Rhaenyra's succession could be challenged, probably will be challenged. The knives are going to come out, and he's going to be sitting in, in the center of this. So we got to be ready. But he says he thinks this is justice. After all, she should have been the one ruling, not Viserys. With the little bit I know, I feel like that's correct. She feels... I want to talk about that later. Okay. Because, oh man. I think she would have been better. Well, I think it's going to depend on what we see once Rhaenyra takes the throne. Is it really that nobody will support this? And it's going to be challenged to such a degree that even if she is a good ruler, they will never accept it. Because everybody has seen how shit things have been under Viserys. He's managed to keep the peace, though. Sure. And I don't think either of these women are going to be content with that. There's stuff that needs to be done in this kingdom, and it's not getting done. I mean, that's what Rhaenyra is proposing every time when she's at the small council later. Yeah. Why are we just sitting here doing nothing about this war in the Stepstones for 10 years? We got to send some power there. We had it and then we left it. That's why it's being taken over again. So, you know, we'll see. But he assures her if there's any rebellions, we'll crush them. We got the combined forces now of our Navy, his army. (laughs) We're going to be fine. So Viserys and Rhaenyra sail back home. This is when aboard the ship, Kristen goes to approach Rhaenyra. Oh, man, right off the bat, this is just bad because he's not in his uniform. He's in clothes that he should not be out in public speaking to her in talking so closely, having this clearly intimate conversation. Yeah. Strike number one, dude, you're already not keeping anything secret. You haven't even given her the opportunity before this looks bad. And it, I guess it's supposed to parallel with the, the night that they had sex with his uniform being taken off. Right away, as soon as he started walking up, I was like, oh, here we go. <laughs> Young love, it's more passion than brain. Foolish love, yeah. yeah. It's the typical Shakespeare, right? He forgets his place. He forgets who she is. He forgets who forgets. he is. And it's like... Doesn't care. I don't know. He says, first of all, that he thinks he knows her pretty well. Really? I know you so well. Dude, you know her from watching her the one time you slept together? Um, he says she often complains of her position and her forced marriage. 
What if there was another path that led to freedom? So he suggests sailing for Essos, running away together and getting married. You could tell she's momentarily enjoying this thought of if life could be like that, if there weren't other things, it's a sweet thing to say. But immediately she says, but life's not like that. How do you not understand? Yes, I'm complaining about my duties, the things that I need to do, but I can't be somebody else. I'm a Targaryen. I'm meant to rule the kingdom. I am the crown. You're asking me to what? Walk away from all of that? That's not fair either. How could you think that I could ever be happy with that? And I don't think what she's proposing is so awful. Like, no, considering the reality of it. She's not saying I want you to be my whore. That's what he So you want me to be your whore? He says, no. No, You know, she's saying that the best we could have together is this side arrangement. I would still want you for that. I still like you. He doesn't take it like that. It's an insult that he won't marry her. She won't marry him because in part, in large part, this is not because he loves her or he understands her or he wants the best for her. He has soiled his honor the way he sees it. And the only way to repair that is to make it right. He can't wear this gold cloak anymore. And also, yeah, they had sex together, but if they go get married now, it'll all be okay, right? Like he wants her to fix that would, mistake, that would make it worse. That quote would unquote. make it worse. You know, like that's what he's asking for. And she just wants to pile sin on top of that in his eyes. So he's already looking at this all wrong. wrong. <laughs> and her problem is she can't see his position. She can't see why the things she's saying would hurt him. So it's just doubly bad. He bristles at all of this. And basically walks off. Yeah, let's move on because this guy's, <laughs> you know, I kind of liked him and now I do not like him anymore and it only gets worse. It gets worse because upon return, Alicent summons him to question him about Rhaenyra. And they obviously need to set this up like one of those really stupid shows where people aren't outright saying anything. So there's all these misunderstandings. But despite the fact that Alicent is vague, I think... Kristen was ready to confess either right away. way. Either way. As soon as he walked in. And I'm like, dude, just remember the song. It wasn't me. Even if she would have outrightly said, I feel like she might have slept with Damon, I think he still would have said, oh, no, no, no. She didn't sleep with Damon. I slept with I her. Did. I think that, was con- that confession was coming out. He had to purge himself. Yeah. But just like keep your mouth shut and find out what's going on. Uh, he can't. He's incapable of that. He confesses to breaking his oath and dishonoring himself and only asks that instead of gilding or torturing him, she just sentence him to a merciful death, please. But she denies either. She doesn't really tell him what she's going to do. Yeah, no, this is my opportunity to have you work for me and really put a little dagger into my old best friends. Yeah, the point is, though, she leaves him hanging here that he is going to go into this wedding so stressed out because now he doesn't even know what his own fate's going to be. Sure. Like, she doesn't specifically say, I'm not going to torture you. Oh, I thought it was kind of acknowledged because she's letting him go. Mm, she says, listen, um, we're well, not talking about either that. You know what? Let's put it on pause right now. We'll talk about having something over somebody. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. This is going to be torture for him. Um, and later, alone in his chambers, we see Viserys is growing quite ill. Uh, Maester Orwell suggests trying a new herbal poultice that he prepared. 
But Mr. Bellows insists, listen, leeches have always worked for him. They provide relief. We're just going to stick with that. But it's not working, buddy. <laughs> so alone then with Lionel, Viserys asks if he will be remembered as a good king. Oh, Viserys. I feel so bad for him. It's so yeah. pathetic, but I can also see <laughs> so many good things about him. And I, I really empathize with what he's going through. He says, what will the men of history say of me? I've never fought or conquered. It hardly makes a good song, does it? But Lionel, refusing to offer false praise to his credit of like what Viserys could have done if tested, thinks it was better not to have to go through that. And what he did was keep Jaehaerys peace in the kingdom. He says, quote, is it not better to live in peace than have songs sung after your death? Agreed. It's good, good counsel. And you know what? Viserys says, you're right. All right, let's get to it. After all of this, we come to the wedding, a celebration that is set to include seven days of tournaments, feasting, lots of exciting things, ending with the wedding ceremony. Not going to unfold that way. But we start off all the lords entering the hall, being introduced, good old Jason and the Lannisters. <laughs> Gerald Royce approaches to apologize for the loss of Lady Rhea. And after everyone's seated... Damon comes strolling in, making himself quite an entrance. We wonder how this good, it's going to go down, but as he gets to the high table of his series, wordlessly motions for a seat to be brought for him. So he's not going to do anything about it. He then starts the opening speech, honoring the Valerians as the oldest and fiercest allies of the Targaryens, saying the uniting of our two ancient houses will herald in a second age of dragons. It's kind of sounding good. Until mid-speech... Somebody else comes walking through the doors again, alone. It's Alicent, interrupting, dressed in this green gown. You know, we hear the Strongs whispering that it's a sign of war, her intentions. It was obviously on purpose. She was waiting for the speech to walk in slowly. Mm -hmm. Main entrance. I'm just going to disrupt everything. Let everyone know. I'm angry. <laughs> well, exactly. Rather than this very fierce kind of declaration, things are different now. I'm still not taking her seriously. It looks as impetuous as Damon's walk in there. Like, mm -hmm. I'm going to show you Viserys. And I think these people are only getting away with it because Viserys is too weak, too ill, too non-confrontational to yeah. do something about it. When he puts his foot down, it's definitely more effective. He doesn't do it a lot with Damon, but he doesn't do it at all with Alicent. No. And that's where we're going to hit all the problems 10 years later because I don't think he's ever kind of put that in line. It should have been put in line right here, yeah. right now. <laughs> he finishes up. Everybody starts eating. Gerald approaches Damon to tell him, you know, in the veil, men are made to answer for their crime, even Targaryens. I am cousin to your late lady wife. Ah, yes. Terrible thing. I'm positively bereft. Such a tragic accident. You know better than anyone. It was no accident. Are you confessing some guilt, Sir Gerald? I am making an accusation. You know, in King's Landing, men are made to answer for their slanders. Even old bronze cunts like you. <laughs> the truth is, I'm glad you've come. I wish to speak to you about my inheritance. What inheritance? Lady Rhea and I had no heirs, as her husband, whatever she was due, now passes to me. She stood to inherit all of Runestone. Did you not? 
After my niece's wedding, I plan to fly to the Erie and petition Lady Jane myself. Perhaps I'll see you there, Sir Gerald. Talk about... Balls? Yeah, how about the, the <laughs> meme, the internet meme with the cat and the sunglasses? I mean, that was a memeable moment right there. I was like, wow, jeez. Everyone else at the table giving looks like, holy shit. But again, I'm like, I can't help but I love this. I love this guy. He's the man. He's really fun to watch. But actually, I don't think he wanted the inheritance. I don't think he gets the inheritance. It's if you press this and try to find me for this crime, this is what I'm going to do. Oh, yeah. Don't start with me. Or you just you leave this wedding. You never talk about it. You never talk to me. And all will be fine. Yeah. It's thing after thing following this. We are making these quick jumps, you know, these entrances, interrupting Viserys' speech, and then Damon starting shit. And then we go over to Joffrey, who thinks now is a good time to go approach Kristen Cole. He's figured out because Kristen is staring at her like an idiot the whole night. It's so obvious yeah. to anybody that's looking. You don't know me, Sir Kristen. No, but we are both deeply invested in this union. If you have something to say, Sir Joffrey, speak it. Sir Lena is quite dear to me. As I know, the princess is to you. And we should swear to each other to guard them and their secrets. Because if those are kept safe, and so are we all. We don't know what he said specifically that was the thing that tipped Kristen off, but I think Kristen was right on the edge anyhow. Yeah. Probably wouldn't have taken much. But oh my good sweet lord, like right on the edge, I I did not know he had this in him. This is a serious uncontrolled rage that goes off. We don't really see what happens because we break there when they're talking. We see what's happening elsewhere, that Damon approaches Lena for a dance. That's a quick little moment that they're flirting there. So that's going to signal later. Uh, but then he goes over to Rhaenyra to ask her if this is what she really wants. I mean, timing, people. Now's not the time. You should have talked to her before. You're in the middle of a dance. You're in the middle of very important people. This it's- is Damon. He's impulsive. Yeah. There's still a chance. You haven't been married yet. In typical Rhaenyra fashion, she... Pushes him on that. Oh, yeah? Is this all just talk? Because I thought this didn't matter to you. If you want me, why don't you take me? Why don't you do something about it? I I think she kind of knows half the time he's full of hot air. But it actually looks like he might be considering taking her up on that offer. It looks like they're about to kiss. It looks like he's leaning over for a kiss. Viserys, oh, my God. Patty Considine's acting, first of all, top-notch. Yeah. This entire series, I love him, but especially this scene when he's digging into his meat, he's like finally enjoying his meal. But as he's watching this unfold, he's more and more angrily trying to like cut up whatever it is he's eating and he's standing up, his eyes popping out of his head, trying to see what's going on between the two of them. It's really good. And this whole time, this scene has been building and building and building. The tension is just palpable at this moment. That's what I mean. We are quick cutting to all of these issues. Keep going back to the series. Watching everything is just falling apart. What is it that's going to happen? Something's going to happen. It's not what we think it is, though, because before he can figure out what the heck's going on between those two, that's when Kristen starts to beat the ever-loving shit out of Joffrey. Yeah, we hear a scream, and it's just no one knows what to do. They're all just kind of standing, watching it first. 
we can't see. The crowd starts clearing. By the time we get a good look, he is just beating him to death. Yeah. There's nothing left of him by the time he's done. I mean, it's it's so overkill that you're like, why didn't anybody try to do something to pull him off? I mean, I can see the story later. He threatened Rhaenyra's royal person. He was threatening to kill her. He's jealous that Lenor was about to marry. Like, they would have come up with a story of sure. why he had to do it to defend her. Yeah. Why he needed to do that. <laughs> There's other ways of taking him out than what happened there. That was clearly an act of rage. But we don't even see any of that. There's no trying to explain, like, how would this man not be sentenced to death or sent away to the wall at the very least? How would he be allowed to stay and remain Queen's guard? I don't really care what Allison says. I know how much control she has over the series. It still feels very unlikely because this is just brutal. This is horrible. Lenor is crying over Joffrey's dead body. They rush everyone out of there. And before the blood can even dry, they call the Septon in to marry the two. Or get mopped up or something. I think they're so afraid that they just can't lose the Valerians if they give them any time to think about this. They're not going to go through with it. Uh, yeah, things are falling apart. Let's just let's get it over with. Hurry up, get it done. So those seven days are turned into seven hours. And yep, that's the end of the feasting. During the marriage, Leonor is still crying. Mm-hmm. Like, I do. Uh, yep. I'm like, this is so it's, sad. It's awful. And at the very end of the celebration, the series just falls over. I mean, we have no idea if he's even alive by the time this episode ends. Of course, he is, uh, against all odds, but you're going to go from that to a 10-year time jump. So most of us are thinking, that's it, it, right? Is that it? Yeah. I mean, they've been kind of prefacing it with him being sick the whole episode, getting worse and worse. What a great ending. And that you're right. That would have been a perfect ending to a season. Can you imagine that cliffhanger and then knowing it's going to be a 10-year time jump, not knowing if he lives, thinking surely he must not, what happened to Kristen because we end that with him going to try to kill himself in front of the heart tree in the godswood and Alicent walking up to stop him. But is she successful? What happens there? What about this marriage now? I mean, it would have been a really good keep people hooked for the next season type of thing. But it is an excellent episode. Nonetheless, by the time this is over, it was the first time I really felt like, oh, this is Game of Thrones. Oh, yeah. It's now it's back to the Game of Thrones I fell in love with. And I think that's why it was a little disappointing to come into the next episode because this was just a real high for me. But I'm glad to stop it right there for a moment because it was spectacular. So let's give our official Dragonfire rating to episode five, We Light the Way. All right, I'm going to move up for this one because I really did enjoy it. And I'm going to go up yet again to a nine. I'm going nine. I'm breaking it, breaking the eight zone. (laughs) Well, I don't blame you. I'm going to go even higher than that. Like I said, this was a phenomenal episode. My favorite thus far. I'm going to give it a 9.3. Woo! I don't think we went into the nines with Westworld last episode, last season. Uh, Probably not. (laughs) They brought that upon themselves. Also, I just wanted to mention one of our Clatchers, Wes, wrote in to say, where I come from, we call that a South Philly wedding. Valar Morgulis. <laughs> yeah. That's so good, yeah. <laughs> uh, also, Tony wrote in to say, Hi, crew. Greetings from Nashville. I've never wrote an email like this before, but I have to say I love y'all's Westworld podcast. Oh, speaking of Westworld, Jay, 
uh, currently listening and now going over to the HOD podcast. Excited to hear your opinions. I look forward to listening to more. Well, thank you, Tony. And thank you, Wes. Cal also wrote and said, hey, hi, guys. I thought you guys would enjoy hearing this. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, she's playing it on an accordion. It's this post on TikTok. Oh, that's so funny. And it's so apropos because Daniel Radcliffe is coming out with his new movie, Weird Al. He's Weird Al Yankovic, who plays the accordion. Oh, okay. This is cool. I'm, I'm just like... A lot of degrees of separation. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's pretty amazing. It was really cool to watch. Thank you for sharing. I also wanted to say thank you to everybody who's been leaving new, amazing reviews for us on the House of the Dragon channel, especially my alter ego is a Navy SEAL, telling us, I love your show. Please don't feel bad about how late it is. Yeah, acknowledging we are super late. Uh, But it's great. Listening this week refreshed my memory and made me anticipate the next episode that much more. Thank you for your time and energy. Uh, Thank you. Thank you so much. We really appreciate it because this season has been a struggle to get them out. So we're so glad to know that people are still listening and enjoying when they do come out. Speaking of do come out, we just released our coffee break on the 25th over at Patreon, and we released our movie review, I Am Legend, a little bit of a throwback, and that was really fun. And of course, back here, we are going to get to our MVBs for both episodes, but first we're going to discuss the plot for episode six, The Princess and the Queen. We open on this episode 10 years since the last time, so here's our big time jump. Rhaenyra, who's now played by Emma D'Arcy, gives birth to another child. We learn this is her third. She has Jace, Luke, and now Joffrey. Another Joffrey. (laughs) Well, the situation becomes apparent pretty quickly when the queen asks to see the baby. They know exactly why she wants to, so Rhaenyra insists upon going up also. Lainor thinks this is ridiculous. What could she possibly want, but helps her to slowly make the long walk, the climb up the stairs to the second floor. Uh, This woman is amazing. I guess I'd never thought about this. Outside of their chambers, they probably have no privacy. Because mm. there's so many people around just hanging out. Just watching her. I tweeted this scene last week. It was like an early release. And I really enjoyed this scene for one reason. And that's Lenor. We get to meet the new Lenor, And I love his acting. I like his personality. He's kind of fun. It's nice to have a character that's a little fun and spunky. Because this world is full of, you know, deep... Sad individuals. Dark people. Well, and it does clearly give us a good view pretty quick that their relationship is still pretty open, pretty caring. Like we mentioned, they have definitely problems that they're facing, but amongst themselves, they've been trying to do their best that they can with each other. Yeah. I mean, he's funny. He's like, did it hurt? I once got stabbed in my shoulder. That hurt. (laughs) It's like I love when she's talking to her father later. She says, I think I might have called the midwife a cunt. Oh, yeah. Is that what she says? So that scene of her having the baby and them walking up are one of the two longest scenes in Game of Thrones lore. There's one longer one in GOT, but I forgot which one. Well, the battle at the wall, I think, is pretty infamous for having that one during a battle scene. Mm. So this is like that. I mean, I think he said, Sapachik said there might be one or two. Like cuts, covered up cuts, but it, that's always the case in these one shot deals. Yeah. 
And it really does help to stay with her throughout the whole painful process of this birth, seeing everything that she would be going through, this long journey. Later, we see she's still bleeding onto the floor. He's I helping mean, her the whole way. The, the queen, I, I would have been like, you tell the queen if she wants to see him, bring her ass down here or wait. And this is why she is learning clearly, Allison, to play this cleverly because she plays the whole... Well, you didn't have to come. Nobody told you to come. Yeah. You should have just sent the baby. And of course, she's worried what's going to happen when Allison finds out this is another bastard, which is quite evidently a big problem. But first, along the way, we see Lord Caswell offers his service. This is somebody new, but I think that could be an important note later. And also that Kristen now stands guard at the Queen's door. So once inside, <laughs> Allison is immediately making snarky comments. She says... To him. Do keep trying, Selena. Sooner or later, you may get what it looks like you. Whoa! I know. I mean, talk about succession of awkward moments. When she first gives birth, over her shoulder is one of the midwives, and she looks, then looks down and shakes her head. She's like, damn it, another <laughs> bastard. Then she has to walk while bleeding through all these people, mm -hmm. and then, oh, there's Kristen at the door, mm -hmm. of course. Her father, who is loving, but as per usual, is going to do absolutely nothing. He's sees oblivious. Everything. I don't think he's oblivious. He's willfully not seeing any of this. To him, and I yeah. happen to agree with this standpoint, what he cares about is that it's a strong, healthy baby boy. Everybody is... Strong? <laughs> yeah, strong. Everybody is happy. Well, except for Allison. <laughs> yes, it is a bastard, quote-unquote, right? This is why Allison is so upset. She thinks Rainier is rubbing it in her face that she's going to sleep with whoever she wants and present these children as heirs. But this whole thing is so horribly caught in the patriarchal society if Rhaenyra is the heir. Her children are the heirs, yeah. having nothing to do with who their fathers are. Absolutely. The Valerians should be pissed, but Alicent... No, because this is my child. Whoever is the birth of my body is yeah. a Targaryen and is the next heir. It does not matter that its father was Harwin. Allison needs to stop taking everything personally. None of this had anything to do with her. I mean, going back to previous episodes when Rhaenyra's had sex, it really felt like Allison took it, took offense to it, like it was something against her. That's the problem. I think she sees all of this as a freedom in life that she doesn't have. Plus, she is blinded now by these seeds that Otto planted in her head that all of this is going to be a threat to her children, that she has to maneuver the chessboard so that they are heirs and she preserves that sense of integrity. But it's what you and I have been saying. Being stuck in this is perpetuated because these people keep perpetuating it. Uh, would it have been war for Rhaenyra to take the throne? Possibly. That's what everybody's telling us. I mean, we don't really know because we haven't seen it. But I still believe it would have been different if Viserys was fully behind this decision and yeah. had trained her up. If Alicent wasn't working against her, if they were all trying to make this happen collectively together, together wherever team. there's dissension, there's room for people to get in and split that rift wide open. And that's exactly what's happening. So Lenoir announces this child's name will be Joffrey. Uh, Viserys is looking pretty awful. I cannot believe he's still alive. Uh, he's starting to look like Tales from the Crypt. He's like the walking dead. He's got one arm now. Do you think that Leonor named him Joffrey because of him seeing Sir Kristen 
at the door, which reminded him of his ex? No, I don't think it was that impulsive. I think it's more like he's been wanting to make that tribute, Mm. but there were so many problems to begin with. It's even now a horrible risk. This is exactly what they're saying, that Rhaenyra and Lenor have taken this too far Yeah, by, by like shoving everyone's face in it. I don't think that's their intention at all. But I go back to the question of why did they not produce any of their own children at first. I think this would have been much less of a problem. And we do hear them sort of talk about it a little bit in a minute, but they don't get right down to it. Anyway, I do want to come back to the issue of Viserys' health, but that's for our closer look later on. So hold those thoughts. I mean, good on you. He lasted 10 years, man. He lost an arm. (laughs) (laughs) So here's the thing. His whole personage clearly looks much worse now. Yeah. He's missing an arm. He's missing hair. He's got sores. But he doesn't look acutely physically ill the way he did when they were taking that sea voyage and then at the wedding where he was sweating and passing out. It's sort of like now it's this chronic, debilitating, slow-moving illness. So they brought it to that point. Who knows how many years he's got left. But again, we will talk about that. To end up this scene, Lenor insists Rhaenyra should rest and they return to their chambers. So they go back and there the children watch a dragon egg in the fire pit that they're trying to hatch. Sir Harwin, who's been keeping an eye on them, asks to see the baby. And it's very obvious this is his. He cares for these children. They all know it. It's kind of a part of their agreement that they've had here. Except for the kids at this point. Oh, yes. We'll come to that. Because speaking of the kids, this is where we're really introduced to them. In the next scene, down in the dragon pit, we see a baby dragon, Vermax, is brought out for Jace to meet. This is how they are introduced, initially bond with them. The trainer, a man who's got tons of facial scars, dangerous line of business, tells Jace he must take control over his dragon. Once fully bound to you, they will refuse to take instruction from any other. So he successfully halts the dragon from taking the goat, right away, Mm -hmm. and then makes him follow his command when he says Dracaris. And it looks like mission accomplished. Pretty cool scene. We never got to see this type of interaction. We never got to see the training and how it worked out. I actually never thought about that while watching Game of Thrones. How do you train these dragons? Where do you keep them? That's because Danny really had to just blindly figure all this out herself. This is years after the Targaryen. She's alone. These are stone eggs that nobody could believe even hatched in the first place all this time later. So there wasn't really a formal system that she was following. This is what I've wanted to see more of. Yeah. What goes on with these dragons? Like I said, we've got Rhaenyra and Laenor's children, Jace and Luke. Those are the two boys with the brown hair. Then we have Allison and Viserys' children. Aegon, who's 13. He is the eldest that we will find partaking in pleasures later on. Helena, who's not in this scene, and Aemond. And it turns out that Aemond is the only one who does not yet have a dragon of his own. So the others are bullying him. They're teasing him. They say, we found one for you. He's called the Pink Dread. And they bring out a pig. This poor kid. Uh, no, as an introduction, I hate that old kid, the oldest. And Viserys, obviously not completely missing out on things because later when Alicent brings this to him, she's like, are you sure it wasn't Aegon who was behind all of this? Like, he knows. Yeah. This kid's the ringleader. He's the one who's up to all the shit. Um, What is kind of nice is that we see, as of yet, it's not the two factions of kids against each other. It's not Allison's kids versus Rhaenyra's kids. Right. They're acting like normal kids of this age would act. They're all together teaming up on the quieter, 
child who's a little scared, who doesn't have a dragon yet. It's typical bullshit. Uh, Aegon just looks like an asshole right away. <laughs> just look, he has a punchable face. <laughs> I really enjoy him so far, though. Uh, have you seen the memes on the internet where they're showing the Stranger Things k- kid? And they put blonde hair on him, and they're like, hey, look, it's Aegon. Oh, no. Yeah, because it kind of <laughs> looks like him. <laughs> no, I haven't. Well, when the others leave, it's clear that Aemon is still upset about this. He tries to go down deeper into the dragon pit. Um, but Dreamfire emerges, super large, very intimidating, starts breathing fire, and he hightails it out of there. Dude, first of all, how rude. He looks so enclosed there. Like, he can't, he, it looks like he could barely move. It's so tight. That's rude. These are all the stories that we've gotten over the years that once they did start keeping the dragons here in the dragon pit under the castle instead of Dragonstone, mm-hmm. their home place where they could fly free and they had caves that they lived in underneath yeah. on their own accord, they started to get smaller and smaller. So that is definitely a factor. It's just rude. It's weakening them. If I loved my animal, if I loved my dragon, I wouldn't be like, all right, dude, go down there in the cubby hole. And I don't think they knew that at first, but now these generations were going on. They must be seeing it. I don't know why they haven't tried changing it. He looked cool, though, huh? And that was a really awesome scene. Well, that older generation is pretty badass because we're going to see Vagar later on. We'll get there. But then we go over to Alicent, who is talking alone to Helena, the only daughter. Uh, it seems like this relationship is a little cold. Alicent doesn't quite have a lot of affection um, Helena is unique, we'll say that much, and that could be a factor here. Now everybody's talking about how she's kind of strange and into bugs, but I think they're missing the bigger points here. And again, I haven't read the text, so I don't know where this is going, but I could tell right away. She's speaking in a way that's not just bizarre, it's cryptic. It's the way somebody who gets prophecies maybe would speak. Is this one of the Targaryens who's a quote-unquote dreamer like Viserys and not a dragon rider? Is she a seer? I was thinking warg, perhaps, where she can go into animals. She seems very in touch with... No, uh, any of these things, I think, could, or seer. could or be seer. possible. But I'm surprised Viserys isn't more onto this and, it, like, establishing a relationship with her. I don't know if he doesn't know that. I have a feeling Viserys doesn't really hang out with the kids. Uh, see, I disagree, though, because, again, he wants to see the baby right away. He goes out later and he's following the training sessions for the boys. And as though he's been watching them train, he knows what's up. When Allison tells him the story, he says, probably Aegon is the ringleader. I think he is keeping tabs on them. I think he loves his grandkids. He's trying to stay out desperately because this is what he does with everything of the politics that are so clearly a problem at play here. He's like, I just want to love my family. Can we please not talk about the fact that these three kids are bastards? Yeah, I want to give him credit, though, that I do think he knows them well. And maybe we'll see that at some point. I just don't know. And I know I'm jumping to this conclusion, so I'm probably way off and I hope I am. But I don't know if I can start liking any of these kids, be interested in any of them or really want to follow them. They haven't given me enough to really tell yet. Like you yeah. said, they've made you dislike Aegon right, right away, away. But I think we're going to be interested in disliking him. Uh, I do. I'm interested in Damon and Lena's daughter when we go forward okay. in a few scenes. And she's desperately trying to hatch that egg over the fire. I really like her. So, yeah, it's going to take a little bit of time, but we'll see where they go with that. 
Back to <laughs> Allison goes to talk to Viserys, the shit talk, basically, about everything that's going on with the kids. She's angry at Rhaenyra. The bastards are an insult. And Viserys insists nature is mysterious. He gives her this analogy about the horses, the black and silver who sired a chestnut baby. And again, you're meant to think, oh, this is pathetic. Viserys just not seeing the truth. But I don't think so. He is right. And we've said this before. It could have just as easily been that Allison had a darker-haired child. She has red hair. Yeah. Uh, it could be that Rhaenyra and Lenor have a legitimate child, but there's dark hair somewhere back in their ancestry, and the kid comes out with dark hair. Like, he's not wrong about that. He's applying it for the wrong reasons because mm-hmm. he's trying to say, I'm remaining ignorant here, don't talk about that. But also he knows what this is going to mean. He's trying to tell her the consequences of this allegation would be dire for all of this. Please stop speaking about it. And yet he never puts the foot down firmly enough that she just keeps doing whatever she wants, basically, knowing he's not going to manage it. Same way Damon used to get over on him. I mean, he should put his foot down. He should remind her, hey, you know, that's my daughter you're talking about. Yeah. Know your place. Yeah, I agree. Uh, The worst part is the next scene, though. Like I said to you, this is where I really got frustrated. To a certain extent, can we understand the viewpoint of Allison, certain things she's had to go through? But like I say, continuing to perpetuate all of this unrest inside of the family and gearing the kids up for war now, who in the last scene were just acting like kids. Yep. But now she goes to speak to Aegon. Forget about the whole jerking off thing. It's funny. It doesn't matter. But she tells him essentially he needs to take this relationship with his siblings more seriously. If Rhaenyra comes to power, he and his brothers will be in danger. She, he should not be as close with her kids. He should be on the lookout. He is the heir, and they're going to try to cut off any challenges to her succession. So they're going to be in danger if that, that day should come. Yeah, she, she just set up the pieces for that to happen, just like her father did to her. Uh-huh. Because now the kids are going to be looking for it, and they're inevitably going to make it happen. Yep. She's grooming that up. And, and, you know, the very next scene, I don't think it's an accident, we go forward to this training session in the yard. And the men are reinforcing just as many problems, and it's starting to come out. Kristen is teaching them, okay, the fact that he escaped punishment we talked about, the fact that he's still a queen's guard. I know that Allison has a lot of sway over the series, and they probably concocted this story about protecting the princess, but... sure. Would you be able to maintain that high of a position and now you're also in charge of training up all these kids who are the potential heirs to the throne? It feels like he got an awful lot of leeway that we missed something in those 10 years. Uh, Viserys is watching, again, just like thinking, oh, this is going to help them form a lifelong bond. Look at them go down there. It's like, jeez, oh, guy. Aegon is training, but he's half interested. He's very arrogant, saying, ah, he's defeated all his straw opponents. He doesn't need this. So Kristen tells the brothers to try taking him on. Okay, let's fight a real opponent. And this is where Harwin steps in, saying, ah, Kristen, it seems like you only train these boys. Yeah. What about these other boys that aren't really getting a crack at this? The younger ones. They could do with a little more of your attention, don't you think? He's not wrong. He's not. Somebody needs to say it, but this gives him all the fuel he needs. Kristen pairs Aegon with Jace, a clearly unfair match. He's so much older and bigger. And yet Jace is kind of holding his own. Kristen has to teach Aegon how to fight dirty, basically, to not let the kid get over on him. And he's goading Harwin the entire time. 
He's pushing him afterwards. Why are you so interested? Normally, a man would only take this much interest if it was, you know, a relative, like a son, say. Mm. Okay. Harwin clearly overreacts to this, starts punching him. This is out of line and absurd. But you can hardly blame him for being so riled up. He's being a shit. And Kristen doesn't fight back. It's because he he wanted this. He knows this is putting it all to light. He wanted this to happen. Everybody knows the truth, but he has to give a reason why they can actually punish Harwin. And we see this is effective. Later on, Lionel thinks he's privately yelling at Harwin. That's what he thinks, at least, for showing this to everyone and the risks he's taken in his relationship with Rhaenyra. The only thing that stands between him and death is Viserys' willful blindness. I feel so badly because Lionel is actually a really good hand. And he's trying to do the honorable thing here, which really, I mean, the whole situation just sucks. Wear a condom. Trojan condoms were around, right? Because from the from Trojan War? (laughs) I don't think (laughs) they had anything very effective at this point. But we also see the aftermath of what's going on with Lenor and Rhaenyra. He stumbles in drunk. Seems like this happens a lot. He says he's been drinking with a friend who told him war is brewing again in the Stepstones. The Triarchy has taken on new strength in its alliance with Dorne. Dorne. And Lenor thinks this is exactly what he needs. A few months of honest fighting, regain his sense of purpose. But she's trying to make him see some sense. His leaving now would be unsafe. There's dangerous rumors of the children's parentage surrounding them. He's trying to say, you know, I've done my part for 10 years. And she says, well, I mean, Lenor, your part's been drinking, carousing. You haven't exactly had a lot of... (laughs) hard tasks here and I get it I don't begrudge you you know this was our agreement but you can't leave the family in its time of need you have to stay here she basically commands him so he says the wise sailor flees the storm as it gathers which is a reminder of where they're from yeah but you can't flee this storm buddy well and and he really means run away and pretend it doesn't exist so later when she talks about them getting out of King's Landing she means we have to avoid the fire that's building up around us, but we still got to like do it together. As a family, we should maybe go to Dragonstone. I don't know, something else. It's a lot of people making stupid decisions, isn't it? We got Viserys since the beginning making stupid decisions. Rhaenyra making stupid decisions. Allison, everybody, Otto. <laughs> yeah, well, and we're going to see Rhaenyra tries to find a way out of this later in the small council. It just doesn't happen. But we're going to take a break from everything King's Landing right now and head over to Pentos to see what's been going on with Damon. Pentos, the fresh maker. Mentos, the fresh maker. That's the wrong one. It opens with Damon and Lena flying their dragons overhead. We get the idea they've been kind of putting on a show for the people there. Yeah, what I gathered is, oh, I, I guess you can't say this anymore. They've been like gypsies. Going from place to place and just... But regal gypsies, meaning they go from place to place and get the best room in the castle and get wined and dined wherever they go. Well, and Pentos specifically is doing this. They're a very rich city. And in their history, I don't remember all the details, they were forced because they had battles with some of these other free cities in the past and were going to be overtaken. And they sort of said, well, we'll let you be, but you can't ever have your own standing army again. Mm Mm-hmm. And so they don't really have any protection. This is a bit of a show of force, right? We're not mounting an army, but we do have these people here with us on dragons. So if you should try to come and mess with us. And that's kind of the deal that 
the prince, Prince Reggio, is looking to strike with them. He tries to convince them to stay, join their cause against Volantis, and protect Pentos with their aid. Because Lys and its allies have risen again, and the Triarchy has made common cause with Dorne. This is putting them in a bad position. So, you know, he's not paying them off. He's just offering them this permanent residence here. A beautiful house, farmland, freedom of the city. Lena's not really into the deal. She tries to insist they're just travelers. They're going to be done with this soon. But Damon thinks he wants to entertain the offer. And I, I think it shows that he is maturing. He's changing. He says he's done with the scheming and politics, that this would just be a simple transaction. You know, protection yeah, for, for gold. I, I see where he's coming from. I definitely do. Since the top of the episode, when you started saying, we didn't have to do this, jump. I see what you're saying, because this whole storyline with Damon and Leanna might have been really interesting if we got to see that through. I think a lot must have happened here. And if it's going to so drastically alter Damon's character, I would be interested to know why. And maybe he's just going to go right back to how he was when she dies. Yeah, I think so. I think he's going to be worse. Because I think he actually found love in the little bit that we got to see, I felt like we got to see the best of Damon. I really love Lena. I was so intrigued by her storyline. I wanted to see more of her. And of course, now she's killed off. And uh, as you said before, doesn't really mean that much because we don't know her very well. But the dichotomy in that family, I think, would have been very interesting. And being able to see Lena soften him up a little bit emotionally. He doesn't seem soft as a person. He still sees like if someone stepped on his Nikes, he'd stab him in the face. But what I couldn't put my finger on was why she was so hell-bent against it. Yeah, I don't really know either. I mean, they do seem to have a similar type of relationship to Rhaenyra and Laenor. She comes to talk with him later and says she's made her peace with the fact that he clearly wanted something different, that they were never each other's first choice, but they have found sort of an affection for each other. Her big problem is (laughs) that she thinks he's more than this. So she obviously knows him well enough to feel that underneath all of that, he's not really happy. And she also wants to be now raising her children back in their home and and doesn't feel like that's it. Gotcha. Okay. I thought she wanted to continue to travel. No, no. I think she wants to go back to King's Landing into the shit of things. King's Landing or back to her home home? Well, back to her home home, but it's going to put them back in the circle of... Dude, if I was him, I'd I'd stay clear of King's Landing. It's obvious... Like, again, if you were his therapist, you'd be like, it's obvious that your family is your trigger. So why don't we stay away from King's Landing? (laughs) Why don't we not do this dance with Viserys again? You could live over there like a king. In In Driftmark. In Driftmark. Yeah. They probably could. Well, we also see the kids are factoring into this a little bit. I mean, Lena has way more of a relationship with them. We mentioned how she comes in and finds Bela trying to hatch this dragon's egg, very upset (laughs) that it's not happening. Uh, She promises her there's more than one way to bind yourself, that she was without a dragon for 15 years, and now look, she rides Vagar, the largest dragon in the world. So if she wants to be a rider, she has to claim her right, and her father would tell her the same. But here's where we get the friction, because she thinks her father ignores her. She's got no dragon, so he doesn't pay as much attention, and Lena's kind of she's doing the right parenting thing you know she's like he's doing his best he does love you but what's going to happen once she's not there to Mm. intercede what's his relationship going to look like with them and later we see that there's a third child on the way she goes into labor and the maester tells damon the baby is breached we get basically the same choice that was offered to Viserys in the pilot 
He could try the C-section. It might save the child. The mother would likely die. Uh, They don't know if the baby would survive. And it does seem like Damon is going to make a different choice. Yes. He's going to say to save Lena. Absolutely. I think that's pretty obvious. In writing, this is clever because this is essentially their second pilot. And they knew that. They weren't ignorant to that. So there's a reflection there of what his brother had to go through. But I don't know if it landed the same way. I don't think they put enough emphasis on it. You know, and then we also go right from that to, well, Lena's not going to go out this way, right? She hears this, she knows what's coming, and she doesn't even want to confront that. She wants to go out on her own terms, which, Ugh. you know, bully for her, but I didn't think Vagar was going to do it. I mean, talk about a beautiful scene to humanize a little bit, probably the wrong word, but you know what I mean? The dragons, mm-hmm. um, you can see that he's not willing to do it, but then he probably smells the sickness mm-hmm. and then sees, sees her. the suffering. And... Oh, this is now the second time. At the top of this episode, we got to see the fire start to be created in the mouth. Mm -hmm. That's a first for me, because normally in Lord of the Rings and and any other dragon movies or shows, they open their mouth and fire starts to come out. This, you see it building like a furnace. We saw that in Game of Thrones a couple of times, but they're really doing a good job of it here. Yeah, I really love that. And yeah, this is that kind of getting to know the dragons thing I wanted more. And you get the feeling that the older the dragon, the longer they've been bonded to the rider, the more they know them. Oh, sure. And, you know, so now 15 years on, he was already an older dragon. They make him look visibly a little older, which I appreciate. And he's big. And he's sort of given her the look when she's first saying it like, man, I'm not doing that. Come on. Stop. That's not how no Dracarys. That's not happening. And also, she's not giving the command in a way that's really forceful. And it's almost desperate. She starts crying and her voice is trailing out at the end. Gotcha. So it could even just be those voice cues that he's picking up on. You don't really want this. You're going to, if you want it, you're going to give me the command. Yeah. And eventually she does. And then you get that minute of him kind of looking at her. So good. It builds slowly. Okay. If that's really what you want. And that's when Damon comes out, when he's already shot the flame. He tries to stop her, but he's too late. A few of the first things we learned in art school many years back is that the eyes are the most important thing. You can mess up a little bit on the chin. You can mess up a little bit. The ears could be one's higher than the other. But if the eyes are perfect, you might get away with it. Mm -hmm. In this kind of scene, first time seeing the dragon, it's a close-up shot. They're trying to invoke at least a little bit of first curiosity and questioning then the fact that this dragon's going to kill a rider that he loves i think they did a really good job with the eyes there considering that there's not much play there it's a dragon's eyes well that's what's leading us to this whole assumption about what he's thinking before he does it we don't know any of that uh, much like we didn't know that with Danny's dragons, but you do get that feeling. There's a personality there. So I just, based off what you said, also want to say, I think they're doing a better job at the close-up visuals of these dragons where I'm having problems with them is when we're seeing their whole bodies. And flying, yeah. And in flight and kind of the, the entire picture together, but close-up, visually, really it's good. a lot better. Yeah. You reminded me, the pit scene, the way the baby dragon, teenage dragon, was moving, it really felt like... Jurassic Park. It felt like a raptor scene for a second. Mm-hmm. And I was like, whoa, no, it's a dragon. The, bo- no. the body movement is a b- bizarre thing yeah. right now. But speaking of eyes, I was going to save this till the end, but I know I'll forget. Did you notice on HBO the new s- splash screen is the adult Renera and Alicent? And then there's a big dragon eye behind mm-hmm. them. Did you see the slit in the eye? Yep. 
Yeah, I've, I've heard about this, that it looks like the dagger. It is the dagger, yeah. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Yeah, I mean, I'll see once I know how that's going to play into things. I'm still very interested. As a designer, I mean, it's super clever. Mm-hmm. I love it. Okay, now I have an ignorant question, and I might get hate for this, because maybe I, I'm remembering wrong. So Lena's not a Targaryen. She's a... Valerian. But is still a dragon rider. So maybe she doesn't have this ability. But I thought that at least Targaryens couldn't die from fire. Uh, this was a misconception that went around in Game of Thrones for a long time. Not all of them have that. And maybe dragon fire is different? No, immunity, well, immunity to fire, period. That's not just a Targaryen thing. A, B, you're right, she's not Targaryen. Um, but they made it very clear with Danny that there were things about her that, that were, were unique to her. It wasn't to the, the house line. Oh, so not everyone is fire retardant. But how do you find out? <laughs> I mean, it looks like Damon might be. Because when they were flying in the air... He flew right through the fire. Yeah. You know, is there a bit of that that's maybe Targaryen? If you go back to the Valerians, they're supposedly mixed with Targaryen blood, but way, way, way back. Okay. So this is a distantly recessive. This is why they can ride dragons, Mm. but I'm sure they don't have everything that the, let's say, pure-blooded Targaryens do. And even then, it was probably a small percentage of them that had these extra things. They were immune to diseases. They were immune to fire. It's not every single person. And I also think like a little bit of dragon fire is probably different than a full blast in the face where you're intending it to kill you, right? Yeah. Like, <laughs> We have two more scenes to talk about. First, let's go back to King's Landing where we have this small council meeting because this is sort of where it all finally breaks down. Two women in the small council. That's got to be a big deal. Yeah, we don't know exactly how that happened. Rhaenyra is trying to push some... Agenda items, you get the feeling she does this a lot and is yeah. turned down. She thinks they need to address the fighting in the Stepstones because Damon abandoned the post after he won the war years ago. And they should have defended it. Ten years they haven't done anything? That is pretty crazy. Allison is saying, oh, we can't afford it. is like, oh, but we can afford war? What are we talking about? Mm. So she finally tries to address the strife between them. I... Get the sense she is picking up on none of these propositions, even if they make sense. You're not going to listen because you have a problem with me. So let's just take care of this problem that we have, because this is getting crazy. We can't rule the kingdom like this. Wait. I wish to speak. Be seated. I have felt the strife between our families of late, my queen. And for any offense given by mine, I apologize. But we are one house. And long before that, we were friends. My son, Jocerus, will inherit the Iron Throne after me. I propose we betroth him to your daughter, Helena. Ally ourselves, once and for all. Let them rule together. A most judicious proposition. Additionally, if Cyrax brings forth another clutch of eggs, your son, Aemond, will have his choice of them. Uh, a symbol of our goodwill. But Alison dismisses her. She says, well, we'll, co- we'll consider it. Privately, she thinks to Viserys that Rhaenyra is desperate. 
And Viserys is pushing his regular line, you know, we should put aside these quarrels. We'll be stronger if we do that. I mean, he's, he's right in that regard. But instead, he should be like, all right, listen, let's get into a room. You two finally talk this shit out. Why don't We're you not fight leaving. it out? Yeah, let's fight. Put on some Just boxing gloves. fight until you're done with it. And by the way, I'm still the king. So you know what? This marriage is happening. It's the yeah. end of the shit. You're done. Yeah. Go to your rooms. I can't like For wh- real. do something. I have enough to worry about. It's obvious that Renera knows that she's losing her grip, yeah. okay? And she does need to say this. What I didn't like was that Allison points out Renera starts to lactate. Yeah. And it's like, I just had a baby, you fuck. As though it's a Who, weakness. Exactly. And, and she it's should not a be weakness. embarrassed. Oh, I can't find a way to put you in your place right now. There it is. And I would have been like, oh, yeah, no big exactly. deal. I just had a baby. And this is not the Renera we know normally. Don't cover up. Just be like, what of it? I just gave birth. I'm here in a council to do business. Can we focus on the business? What would have been great is she looked down and goes, what? Oh, are you thirsty? <laughs> it really just you drink squash Allison? it. Exactly. <laughs> it's just, yeah. I mean, it's gotten more and more ridiculous, but you're right. She does know, I think this is a desperate, we have to put this behind us once and for all, mm-hmm. or it's never going to work and it doesn't work. And Allison, hello. If this happens, everything you're, Father Otto said would happen, won't happen because now they're married. Yeah, but she thinks, so what? You're offering this great marriage. Your son is still a bastard. He should not be heir to any throne. And now my child is going to marry an illegitimate heir to the throne who could get put aside later. How does that help me? Fuck you. But yeah, it all comes back to the same argument. Let's talk about what's going on with Lionel and the Strongs because he comes to resign his position as Hand of the the king. King. The episode in the yard this morning, my son Harwin has disgraced himself, and every fishwife in King's Landing will soon be telling the tale. Young Harwin's outburst was unfortunate, it's true. But he's been expelled from the city, watch, that seems punishment enough. Forgive me, Your Grace, it is not. You have served me faithfully for many years. Tanner's hand. Your advice has been sage. Unmarked by self-interest. Which stands in contrast to all others. You speak kind words. But there is a shadow over my house and it grows ever darker. I can no longer serve you with integrity. What is this shadow? Name it if it casts such a gloom. Yes. You must have your reasoning in plain language. I cannot. Then I cannot accept this. My dear husband. I said no. If you insist, my king. I do. You will continue in your service to the crown. I would then ask leave to take my son from court and escort him back to the family seat at Harrenhal. He is my heir and will be Lord of Harren's castle one day. It is time he assumed his duties there. Lionel is such a good hand that he's putting himself in the chopping block because he knows that this isn't good for the realm. I need to resign for you. Harwin needs to be out of public sight. Exactly. We need to stop putting this in people's faces. So then when he realizes he's not going to let him resign, he's like, well, then I got to get my son out of here. That's the second best move we could do. I can't tell you, or otherwise he'll be killed. He's stuck between a rock and a hard dragon scale. Well, I think this move might have worked had he not been killed. I think so. C- keep Harwin back home just dealing with Harrenhal. Let people forget about that. Continue to serve the king. 
Um, Harwin goes and says goodbye to Rhaenyra and the kids, promising he will return. And this is when Rhaenyra finally goes to Laenor saying, we got to get out of here. This is bad. The council's not accepting me. My yeah. kids have become a joke. He wonders what's going to happen if we go, though, because there's going to be nobody to defend against what Allison says. And she's like, it's happening already. It's, yeah, there's nothing to... I would have bounced as well and taken my dragon and a couple of eggs with me. But he, he agrees to his credit. He says, all right, that's what we'll do. But now we come to the end here where Allison is concocting her schemes. She has dinner with Larry's and we... Th- Seem to think this happens quite frequently. He wonders what Allison expected of a series when it comes to Rhaenyra. I mean, he's not going to cut off his daughter. And she, very childishly, I think, wishes someone was there that was partial to her. She's like, I need unbiased counsel. Nobody's going to give me that, blah, blah, blah. And he's sort of like, well, if it was your father, it would be biased. It would just be biased towards you. And she's like, right, exactly. That's what I want. Um... Uh, my position, why doesn't anybody understand? Because Otto's the one who brainwashed that into you in the first place. Doesn't it tell you something yeah. that nobody else is supporting that position? But she's too far down this track now. She wants somebody who's going to listen. And Larry sees his opening. Following this, he starts to put his scheme into place. He goes to the prisoners in the black cells, the ones that are sentenced to death. And he offers mercy for a price, cutting out their tongues. His own little army. Mm-hmm. It's quite Silent amazing. Silent army. Yeah. And they all get little beetles. Beetle I mean, pendants. everybody's talking about this. It's so stupid that he cut their tongues out so they couldn't give him up. And they could just write it down. But then he puts a sigil that oh, yeah. marks him on every one of their cloaks. Like, what? Here's a t-shirt with my face Dude, on it. you're supposed to be anonymous. Why are you giving them markers? But they do go. They light Harrenhal on fire, killing Lionel and Harwin, who are stuck inside. And then we go back to him giving this... A great scene, though, by the way. Uh, Jesus. Truly emotional. And this next speech. All right. Larry says, What are children but a weakness, a folly, a futility? Through them, you can imagine you cheat the great darkness of its victory. You will persist forever in some form or another, as if they will keep you from the dust. But for them, you surrender what you should not. You may know what is the right thing to be done, but love stays the hand. Love is a downfall. Best to make your way through life unencumbered. Love makes you weak. Love is the death of duty. Love, whatever we've heard a million times, he buys into it in a psychotic way to the extent that I don't even feel that for my father and my brother. I'll just take him off the board if I need to. Ridiculous. This guy's a... F- Ugh. She's horrified when she realized what's happened. I mean, yes, this is horrifying. He is an awful person, but how did you not know? Yeah. This is what was going to go down with him. And basically, he ends it by saying, well, you should probably write to Otto now. Um, tell him to come back. And you know what? I'm certain you guys will reward me when the time is right. Right, because now his father's out of the picture. So if she doesn't bring him into the fold you, now... You better do the right of, thing by yeah. me. Exactly. Oh, uh, what a skeezy... Oh, I hate that And guy. this is the one strong we have left. Well, now right. I want to see Damon come in and tear Take that him out. up. Yeah. <laughs> now, I can understand... I mean, I I don't know the story, but I imagine that somehow Leonor is going to get killed. It's got to happen soon. I'm so angry, but you know that's what's coming. And it's going to get to the point where we're going to want Renera to be with Damon. Damon. And we're going to want them to start taking revenge on these people. Exactly, because we're going to hate them that much. It's it's building. I could feel it mounting. Yeah. I'm not going to blame them when they come in on dragons. Nope. I'm going to cheer it on. This is enough. <laughs> 
Oh, but Jason, for now, let's give our Dragonfire rating. On a scale of 1 to 10, what do you give episode 6? Well, the timing of this episode was wrong. We're, we're just building momentum, and it really slowed things down for me. And I felt like it was 20 minutes too long, to be honest with you. Yeah, I agree with that. But with that being said, there were key moments that I really did enjoy. There were really amazing dragon moments, uh, action shots. But it's not going to be my highest... It most likely won't be my lowest. I think I'm going to go down to and go 8.4. It's still in the eights. Yeah, I agree about going down. My lowest so far has been an 8.3. I mean, I was at a 9.3 for the last episode. Man, but I don't like it as much as the opener. I'll have to go with you. 8.4. That's right in the middle. Yeah. You know, it's funny, though. I feel like we had more to say about this episode. You always have more to say about the ones you don't like as much. True. Very true. Well, let's move on to our Clatchers. Let's see what they had to say. We'll start with episode five. We're over on Twitter at CKC Podcast. We give you Renera, Leonor, Kristen Cole. I'm not giving him a surname anymore. No, stop that. Viserys. <laughs> I know he's still a knight, but fuck this guy. And you know what? This poll, man. Ugh. Okay, Viserys loses it with 5.6%. He's He's... Losing he passes out. He looks dead by the end of this episode. So I don't blame people. He's losing his health, his control, his arm. 8.3% Lanor. Well, it's a tragedy for him in episode five. This ending wedding scene, losing Joffrey, it's horrible. Uh, and he was doing fine over there with the Valerians. Yep. And he messed up his whole it's life. Not even his fault. In second place with 33.3% is Rhaenyra. As she thinks she's got it under control, but she doesn't, and that's proven out by the end of the episode. And first place, Kristen Cole. I get it. He's 50. the only one on that list yeah. who effectively won, if you want to say that, by the end of the yeah. episode. It's not who we like the most. It's who made the most damage or, or just, brought the if, story along the if most. If I didn't have the hindsight of episode six, I would have thought for sure he's put to death, he's sent to the wall. How you get away with it to this extent... I would have never anticipated. I would have thought he's still got his coming. Yeah, and I liked him in the first couple of episodes. Uh, 52.8%. Um, this is hard. This is a hard one. I mean, I almost, I almost want to go Damon. I would love Damon if he wasn't up there. I would love to give it to Lenor, even though he did lose so badly. He still goes through with the wedding. He still winds he up to. having this amazing, amazing marriage with Rhaenyra. It would have been easy to blame Rhaenyra as well forever. Even though it was Kristen, this was her paramour that did this yeah. to his boyfriend. Yeah. You could see him just holding on to that yeah. and hating her, and he doesn't. You know, I'm going to give it to him. He's the only one I like on this list right now. I'm giving it to Lenor. I don't care. <laughs> Categorically, he does not win. But his life is worse. His life is worse, but it also does push the story forward. I mean, everything that was going on between her and Kristen and him and Joffrey is what brought us to this. I mean, I don't really have a clear-cut winner. I hate, I'm going to be selfish and self-emotional and say I hate Kristen Cole so much. I can't much. pick him. You little bitch. I just can't pick him. I'm sorry. So uh, I'll go, I'll go Rhaenyra. Yeah, I could see that too. You got Rain, Rain, Rhaenyra and Lenor. They maybe should have been paired up here, but... And in this depressing moment, we can always count on Sherry Ava to give us some really fun gifts. <laughs> she comes in with, Sir Kristen Cole was most integral, and it's true, to moving the plot along. However, Queen Allison is pulling the strings. Yeah. She lost her father's protection and her trust in Princess Rhaenyra, then raises the green banner of Hightower. 
We purposely yeah, didn't, didn't put any way. string pullers on this list because you could have put Allison, Damon. There's so much going on behind the scenes. We tried to keep it to the focal points of the action. Mm-hmm. But yeah, then it gets trickier. I mean, Twitter, can you give us more than four options? Can we just add six? No, that would make it so hard, though. She also says, Princess Rhaenyra focuses on securing a life of opportunity. True. When Sir Criston reveals his heart and offers to escape with her, she reminds him of her royal legacy and that he is a mere convenience. Harsh. Let down. Her gif is a great gif of Michael Carbonaro with his true TV show. Fun fact, I actually know him, which is great. Mm -hmm. He hung out in my house. Mm Mm-hmm. At the age, I was in college, I was a sophomore, and he's a little older than me. He had veneers already, and I was so ignorant. I was like, why are your teeth so white? Do you know, we did this to my cousin once. This gif is of him all duct taped up. We did it when he was drunk and passed out. Oh, no. But we didn't want him to hear us, so the first thing we did was duct taped his ears. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> we have a picture of him. Maybe you are a guy. Oh, <laughs> I was goodness. the ringleader. I was the oldest. <laughs> Oh, Uh, the Viking says had to go with Rhaenyra again, giving this a 9.5 out of 10. Yes, we were very close to that as well. Yeah, we love that episode. Warren, after rewatching the horse scene several times, I don't think Damon did anything aggressive other than attempting to lead the horse by the reins. Mm -hmm. Seemed like a bit of an overreaction to grasp so so hard at the reins for someone who was that experienced. Yeah. Somebody made a really good point about this because I said the same thing. Watching it to you, I see what they want us to think. But I'm like, all Damon did, he approached very slowly. He didn't do much that should have spooked a horse. But then somebody on another podcast mentioned that it's been said before that Damon reeks of dragons. He always has a dragon scent on him from riding. Okay. That's a predator animal that if a horse gets a whiff of that, he's going to respond with fear. Yeah, and he did, he probably... So maybe he got close enough for him to smell him. And he also sensed his owner's fear. That was the big thing I thought in the moment. It's her freaking out that makes the horse say, oh, shit, trouble. Let's get out of here. And actually, it was her overreaction that caused it. But that would totally add up about the horse. He continues to say, and we sat down to watch this episode. My wife says, yeah, I'm just not into the show so much. There's not a lot happening. Shame she fell asleep five minutes in. She missed everything. Oh, no. no, Right before it actually did happen. And finally, Jenny Jenny says, Kristen Cole giving Allison a two for one. Yeah. And for episode six, we paired it up again. We gave you Allison and Larry's, Renera and Leonor. That's why you're saying it wrong. I spelled it wrong. You're spelling it wrong. I spelled it wrong again, people. If you were spelling it right, it would look right. Do you know how tired I am by the time we get to that? Because when you read that, you read it properly. I said it. I get I spelled it, now. it wrong. Oh my god! <clears throat> you do it. <laughs> but you spelled her name right. How I, do you do that? I probably asked it's you. The same name. Uh, and then Damon and Lena, and Lionel and Harwin mm-hmm. coming in in last place with eight point three percent. Lionel and Harwin because they died. <laughs> uh, but Aww. you know what? I like them the I, best. I might vote Damn for them. It. Because I like them as well. Coming in third place with 12.5% is Damon and Lena. And second place, 29.2%, Renera and Lenor. But first place with 50%, damn it, guys, Allison and Larry's. 
They, they did. did win the episode. They did win. They won the episode. So <laughs> I'm going to go right into it, and I'm going to say same for me, Allison and Larry's. Here's the thing. I think <laughs> Allison thought she was winning and realized this weapon she assumed was a weapon is actually not in her control, Laris. Yeah, but you know what? It's like wildfire that gets out of your hands and you're going, shit. Uh, but I think by next episode, she's going to actually like it because now she can wreak the benefits without assuming the guilt because she never asked for that. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, the emotional part of me just wants to give it to Lionel and Harwin. They were the only two good people we had in this freaking show. For real. Show. For real. Good. I went emotional last time. I'm just going to, I'm going to keep going. Lionel and Harwin. Yeah. Go for it. There's no rules. Okay. Katie Weaver says, so the saying, hell hath no fury like a woman scorned, really needs a gender-neutral upgrade to capture Kristen Cole's new mission in life. How was he not in the voting lineup? Oh, for six? I, listen, he won for five. I can't give yeah. him any more. You know what? <laughs> if you watch it again, as Rhaenyra and Lenor leave with the baby, Kristen Cole is giving them their his back. Did you notice that? Yep. And then once they walk past enough, he turns around. It's he's, like, you're such a little bitch. And he's clearly spying on what they're saying. Sherry Ava says, also, I'm losing it over the House of the Dragon Doctor Who connection. Aegon II was captivating the minute he appeared on screen. Not surprising, since he's Ty Tennant, the oldest son of David Tennant. Shut the front door. I did not know that. I had no idea, but I was immediately drawn to his face. Yeah. I just thought he had good facial features. It's David Tennant. Oh, my God. You know what? He's the future Doctor Who. He doesn't. I mean, there's a resemblance to his father. He's not like the spitting image of him. Yeah, but that hair makes him look like an asshole. I just want to punch him in the face. The hair changes everything. Good but call, this, Sherry. Thank you, Sherry. But also, no thank you, because now I'm going to have issues. Thank you, but no thank you. David Tennant is my favorite doctor. <laughs> ah! Well, now you got both. Matt Smith and Tennant's son. The Viking, I've, I voted for Renera. Leonor. Oh, he spelled it wrong because I spelled it now wrong. Now you're creating I'm false. sorry, the Vikings. That's my bad. No why, guys. Elaynor uh, just wrote her coattails. <laughs> Allison has devolved into Cersei Light, and Larys doesn't have a candle to Littlefinger. Yeah, not yet. 6.5 out of 10. Yeah, he didn't like this episode as mm, much that was, uh, either. Yeah. Uh, amen. I agree with everything you said. <laughs> Sherry Ava says the vote for episode six is spot on. Larry Strong propelled Queen Allison's desire into reality, and at the same time ensnared ensnared an allegiance with her that plays to his favor. New supervillain alert. Yep. And another beautiful gift. Yep, yep. Oh, my God. Gift queen. Well, Jason, are you ready? I'm ready to end this episode because nope. it's Saturday. Nope. And we have to get this podcast There's out. There's something today. else. Let's go. You know what time it is. It's the Summary Showdown. <laughs> All right. So for episode five, I had Good Morrow, Lady Rhea. What's today's quarry? Rabbit? <laughs> means nothing and then it ends with I am yours and you are mine here in the presence of gods and men I proclaim Lenor of House Valeria and Renera of House Targaryens to be man and wife one flesh one heart one soul now and forever now I couldn't type this that's a good line but there's crying in the middle of all that mm, that's a good line <laughs> there's obviously the great line from Laris an outsider among the natives by all rights they shouldn't be thriving here nature such a mystery course that can't win i was really struggling between the last two i have the uniting of our two ancient houses will herald in a second age of dragons but the one that's going to win is it not better to live in peace than have songs sung after your death yeah that wins for sure and for episode six i have a boy princess 
Praise the mother. And it ends with, I feel certain he will reward me when the time is right. Oof. That one is actually good, but everything else sucks. Yeah, that's... Even the now the first line is more ominous because of the last line. Mine were really hard for this one, too. I mean, there was the snarky, do keep trying, Sir Lenor. Sooner or later, you might get one that looks like you. Uh, nature is mysterious, which is funny because the last episode, Hilarious is talking about nature is such a mystery with the flowers. And now here it's Viserys looking at the children's hair color. Mm. He's given that story about the horses. Yeah. But it's got to be the wise sailor flees the storm as it gathers. Yeah, you're right. That's got to be it. That sums up the freaking episode. To round this out, Jason, we have our closer look. And I'm just going to give you one because we've been talking about it. It's so relevant. What does Viserys actually have? What is his illness? We talked about it a lot. We were kind of joking around about tetanus, which, you know, cut himself on rusty metal. But the more and more time goes on, most things that he could have would either get so acute that they would kill him quickly or they would resolve. It wouldn't just keep having this slow deteriorating effect on him. And of course, they're not going to know what it is in these fictitious kind of like medieval times. Mm -hmm. There was an interview with Patty Considine where he sort of offhandedly said he thought it was leprosy. Right. But leprosy is actually the closest fit to what it seems like it could be. In modern times, this is known as Hansen's disease an infection caused by slow-growing bacteria. The word actually comes from ancient Greek, meaning a disease that makes the skin scaly uh, because it can actually look patches of rough, scaly skin, kind of like grayscale. Wow. Which is interesting. It can take up to 20 years to develop signs of infection. There you go. So if you think this is too slow and he should be dead by now, actually that makes sense. It can affect the skin, eyes, lining of the nose, It attacks the nerves, which can become swollen under the skin, causing the areas to lose sensation of touch and pain, leading to injuries. You can get discolored patches of dry skin, thick or reddish skin, but also ulcers, nodules, loss of eyebrows and eyelashes. This could explain why his hair is sort of falling out. Muscle weakness or paralysis, especially in your hands and feet. Eye problems that can lead to blindness. Nosebleeds. Didn't we see him have a nosebleed? Mm-hmm. Nose disfiguration. This is what a lot of people think of when it sort of looks like you lose part of your nose. Oh, and that's because of damage to the septum. Now, we didn't see that. but And also shortening of toes and fingers. So we always say losing limbs when we think of leprosy. They're actually reabsorbed into the body. Uh. So they get shorter until it looks like they're gone. Ooh. Isn't that really weird? Okay, it was once feared as a highly contagious and devastating disease. It's still not known exactly how it spreads between people, but thought to be through coughs, sneezes, respiratory droplets. Prolonged close contact is required with someone who has untreated leprosy over months or even years to contract it. So it's not like even if you come into contact with those droplets, you're going to get it. Right. You really need to have this sitting on somebody a- like Allison who's been treating him, having close yeah. contact with him. And, and that's not 100% that you would. Can you get it from stabbing yourself with old swords? No. Oh, so it's not the chair. No, you can't. And if treated, if he had a treatment, it's actually very effective. But really the only treatment is antibiotics. And they, they don't have, have that. The bacteria itself may be 100,000 years old. We have evidence from ancient human skeletons, 
of cases that go way, way back. However, in 1200 CE, leprosy hospitals existed all over Europe. This is when it started to become widespread in that area, and you get more writing about it because people not wealthy enough to live at home in isolation were segregated in hospitals that people Uh. feared. Even into the 20th century, the only effective control to prevent the spread was leper colonies. So people were sort of cast away or else condemned to wander the roads wearing warning signs and ringing bells as they approached to warn healthy people they were coming so they could stay away from them. Wow. It came to be referred to as the living dead, and victims were treated as if they had already died. So the only reason he would not be getting that treatment in this time is because he's the king and they've been trying to keep it secret and downplay it. And the other thing is that for centuries, there wasn't really any treatments. The only thing they used was an oil derived from the seeds of a tree, the Chalmugra tree. It could be taken orally, but it made you extremely nauseous, given by enema or injection, but that often caused high fevers. So I wonder if they're trying some of these things with Viserys. Nope. Uh, But other treatments, ready, include bathing in blood, injection of snake venom, and scarification, including with arsenic. While the leeches sound pretty bad, I think I'll take leeches and poultices. It's not working, though. Over that stuff. I'll take any of that if it works. Something seemed to halt it. So in episode five, we see Orwell asking to try a new herbal poultice. Right. Now, it looked like the maester was trying already some type of poultice that looked like clay on -hmm. his arm, but I think he was asking, can we put something in it, some herbs? And I'm wondering, could it be seeds like this, something from that tree that was known to maybe slow the spread a little bit? Um, Because something clearly happened from there to the point where he does make it 10 years into the future. Anyway, I don't think we're going to know in this time frame, but that was a fun little tidbit that Patty Considine gave us, and I think he's right. See how long you last for series. Well, things are just ramping up with our cast and characters. It's been a crazy first season, and we're still kind of only halfway through. We're just over the lip of halfway. And I'm excited, and we'll see you in two weeks with this. But in the meantime, we'll come at you with a new bonus. Our bonus will be common myths and misconceptions. Yeah, why do we still believe these things, and what is the truth? So check us out over at Patreon. It's the only way we make money in order to keep doing this. It's the only way we stay sane. Hmm. Till next time, this round's on me. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at CKC Podcast. And if you'd like to support Jason and Christina and would love even more content, including bonus casts and movie reviews, join our Patreon at patreon.com slash CKC Podcast. This round is on me.